0: continue to occur. And he mentions two of them. The first tragedy he mentions is at the hands of violent men. Verse one, Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Now this report comes in and you have to understand what's going on here. This is an emotionally charged topic, okay? You have a bunch of worshipers per se at a church service who are slaughtered. I want you to think about it in those terms. Has that happened today? Yes, it has. It's happened in our own nation with, with people shooting up church services. And you're thinking, Pastor Scott, why are you talking about this? <laughs> because this is what we're learning. This is what's in scripture. We've, we've heard of bombings in African in churches, horrible things taking place, okay? Now they're reporting to Jesus why. Maybe they want to see his reaction. Maybe they want to see an explanation or hear it. Maybe they're trying to trap Jesus. We know Jewish leaders tried to do that all the time okay? Maybe if Jesus ignores the issue, the crowd could accuse him of being pro-Roman. Maybe if he defends the Jews, they can accuse him of treason and have him arrested. We're not sure. All we know is that Jesus doesn't take the bait. He doesn't get involved in this political, racial, social issue. He turns it on its head is what he does. Now, get back to the story of what's going on here and the tragedy. The first one is at the hands of violent men, okay? So we're unsure of how many Galileans there were. Doesn't say in the passage. They're at the temple, somewhat like a church. Think of it that way. Offering their sacrifices. And these people are murdered. They're slaughtered. They're killed under Pilate's command. And their blood is shed with the animal's blood that they were sacrificing on behalf of God. And so this is just a tragedy all over the place. Now, again, nothing new under the sun. Tragedies happen at the hands of violent men, true? And they happen all the time, okay? And they've happened all through down through the ages. Now he goes to another tragedy. Look at verse four. He goes from the tragedy of violent men to the tragedy of natural causes. Things just happened, do you suppose those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who lived in Jerusalem? So you have some tower, nothing to do with violent men, nothing to do with corrupt politicians. Someone call it, a, well, it's an act of God. Well, here's the context. Siloam, okay, there was a reservoir uh, for Jerusalem located at the intersection of a south and east wall, and you can see this in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 6, and we, we assume there's some kind of structural failure. Do structural failures happen today? Yes, they do. And so there's some kind of structural failure and 18 people lose their lives and and it falls on them or maybe scaffolding collapses. We don't know. Say it's a wrong place at the wrong time, okay, whatever. But tragedies happen. Now look at verse two and verse four. And Jesus is gonna teach a lesson. He's saying, don't blame the victims and don't blame God. Look at verse two. Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? Were were they deserving of this tragic death? Were they worse sinners than everybody else? And then verse 4, do you suppose that those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed, were they worse culprits than all men who lived in Jerusalem? Were, were Were they worse people than the people in that town, the capital city? Was New York more wicked and that's why this took place Because those people in those towers were wicked, more wicked than the people in Chicago. Or more wicked than the people in Des Moines. Or more wicked than the people in Fort Lauderdale. Or whatever you want to say. It was a more sinful place. Stop blaming the people who were killed. And stop blaming God. I want you to understand how how fickle and foolish people can be. They, They jump to unfounded conclusions about tragedies. For instance, well, there's an absence of tragedy, so we must have God's approval. Well, there's presence of tragedy, so that must be God's judgment. And all of a sudden, our minds go places like we are God, and we've got it figured out. And we need to be careful. We are not God. May I remind you of Job's friends who had it all figured out with Job. I'd say they made a horrible mistake, wouldn't you? all of his incredible trials, all of his sufferings in his life, they said were because of his sin. Did they not? They said it was because of his sin. And the exact opposite was true. He was the most righteous, godly man on the planet. And his friends totally got it wrong. Please be careful of jumping to conclusions about tragedies you are not God, and neither am I. Please do not become like Job's friends. We have the example of the Apostle Paul after a shipwreck in Acts chapter 28, and you know what happens. Is he's collecting sticks, and it's a cold, damp day, and he's putting them on the heat, on the fire, and the heat causes what to come out? A snake. And it says, the viper attached itself to his arm, okay? The viper, because of the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began to saying one another, undoubtedly this man is a murderer, and though he's been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. And Paul shakes it off into the fire and suffers no harm. But they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. So they're waiting. Let's see what happens. What's gonna happen? We know he's a dead man. After they'd waited a long time, nothing unusual happened to him. They changed their minds and began to say he was a god. <laughs> what did they first call him? A murderer. Then, a few minutes later, what do they call him? A god. That's the rationale of sinful people in our world. They're so fickle. They're so foolish. They draw wrong conclusions based on things they don't know anything about. I want to encourage you not to be those kind of people. I want to encourage you, be very careful that you do not jump to conclusions about people and why they suffer or why they do not suffer because you and I are not God. Now, tragedies will happen, okay? Don't blame the victims or God and don't play God. Thirdly, Jesus just takes everybody's head and twists it, and says, look at it this way. And that's what he does. Verse three and verse five are the same. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise, what? Perish. What an answer, and what a challenge. I'm amazed at how our Lord totally takes command of a situation. And rattles people back into reality. And he takes their heads and say, you're looking at it wrong, look at it this way, and you better be looking in the mirror is what you need to be doing. He says, I tell you, no. You couldn't be more wrong, you couldn't be farther from the truth. Stop judging others, stop assuming you know what's going on, stop pretending you're a God, you are not. The Galileans' deaths had nothing to do with their standing before God. The tower falling had nothing to do with the 18 people's sin. And he turns it back to them and he says, I want you to repent. I want you to look at your own heart. And instead of thinking, well, they must have been sinful and they must have been sinful. And this wouldn't have happened to them if they weren't so sinful. Jesus says, do you realize how sinful you are? How dare you judge other people for their sin? Take the what out of your own eye. Take the beam. Take the log out of your own eye. And don't you dare look down your nose in a condescending way at somebody else in their suffering and assume it's because of their sin. He said, you better be concerned with your own sin and your own lack of holiness. And then he says this judgment awaits you. I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He says, you're going to die. And the key is to repent before you do. Because all life is fragile. And you need to turn to God. And, And it's this tragic end. He's saying, this judgment that these face is nothing compared to the one that's coming. By the way, who is the ultimate judge? Jesus, Jesus is. All judgment, John 5, has been given into the hands of the Son. And so Jesus is standing before these people and he's saying, you better get this. I'm going to be judging every single one of you. So if there's any sin in your life, you need to repent of it. Now, I I need to be reminded of something. This is not just for unbelievers at the great white throne judgment. Who else is Jesus going to judge? Every single believer. Every single believer. Not on the basis of heaven or hell, okay? It's the Bema seat judgment, all right? So we're going to be judged based on our works, based on our life for God. So we need to, and I need to make sure, I'm not looking down my nose at anybody else either make sure I am living for my Savior in this life. That's where we need to be. So he makes sense of this tragedy by turning it on its head. And he says, tragedies are going to happen. Don't play God. Don't blame the victims. Don't blame God. And take care of your own business. Take care of your own business. Repent before you perish likewise. Some lesson, huh? Wow. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed at the words of our Lord and how... They are strong, and they set us straight, and we're thankful for that. Help us not to be judgmental people. Help us not to assume things that are not true. And help us look long and hard in the mirror and take care of any sin in our own lives. Because we know the day is coming when we will stand before you. And we need to be ready for that day. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, I I know most of you here are believers in Jesus. If by chance you're here tonight and you've not come to the Lord, you just need to come to him, friends. You need to understand there is a God who loves you and he will forgive you and he will save you. And you need to repent of your sins and you need to turn to God in his grace and let him save you. And I'd love to talk to you about that, that relationship with him. So come and see me afterward. Please do that.